Wild Gorshan. Also, I go by Jordan in the real world. And today I'm going to start off with a few announcements. Um, number one, the new white paper is now live. It's still a little bit work in progress and it's not exactly your typical white paper, but it is everything you're looking for in a white paper and more to explain about the Plenia project, uh, our missions, what we're going for. There's kind of a what I call a transparency report with all our admin wallets. And all the smart contracts that are going on, our ecosystem, all the platforms we have brewing. And of course, an introduction to why we're doing it and what it means and how it might be successful and why it's important and all that good stuff. And next up, we have a release date for the Holy Heroes of Yestermorrow. This is our pilot seminal, our seminal project, Enter the Pelliverse. And this is the first NFT set that we will be creating for the series. It might be the same NFT set that there, there might just be one NFT set of, let's say, 10,000 10, good goodies. And this is going to be 3,333 of them. Uh, season one of Enter the Pelliverse. So season one will focus on these different stories of all these heroes that got lost in the content the cosmic content consciousness, the CCC is what we call it. And basically all the Hoadleys, these little characters, they're super cute. You can take a look. All these characters are tapped into the cosmic content consciousness because what this species does is create content. All they do is create content. They're born to create. But there's this big baddie named Big Tube. It's actually a whole planet and it has little minions that enslave the Hoadleys to make content for them and for their messages and to spread the big tube message of fear, basically. So Enter the Pelliverse is an animated endeavor to shed light on what's what happens with media when bad guys are controlling the media because we don't really have any media like that out there. You think of all the cartoons... Uh, as clever as they might be, something like Rick and Morty, nothing is actually out there commenting on how media is brainwashing children and, and adults and everyone in between. So we thought, how cool would it be if our, you know, the main the main project we're working on is about what Plenia is all about. Like, let's let's change the way we do media. Let's make it about collaboration and working together and creating beautiful things as opposed to just making money, money, money. But let's get everyone paid in the process. Let's make sure this is worth everyone's time. So uh, we've been working on Plenia for years. And I just got to say, in the last year since we launched a token on the Zilliqa blockchain, it's been super exciting and inspiring to actually get these things off the ground. Our ecosystem beta ecosystem is pretty much done and we're getting ready to launch it and we've also been able to get the development of this nft series and a cool teaser video and all this stuff off the ground thanks to basic DeFi, decentralized finance and liquidity pools and a really solid community that's sticking with us and wants to see this go somewhere so thank you to the community Thank you to everyone that's been participating in your different ways. And I will keep you updated about the Holy Heroes of Yes Tomorrow. The release date. Oh, yeah, that was why I brought it up. The release date is in approximately three weeks. It's going to be the full moon, which is called in China. What did they call it? It's the 
mid-autumn festival, something like this. But basically, we have some some Chinese community members that are been super stoked on this project. Oh yeah, mid-autumn festival. Yeah, so we're adding in some special rabbits, lanterns, and mooncakes with the Polenia logo as layers of accessories for the Hoadleys. And all of this kind of stemmed from how everything is like a funky number of like there's three 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 characters, and then we're selling them for eight 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 zil, and then there's seventy seven attributes, and we're just trying to get it all funky. And they were like, "Well, these are special numbers in Chinese culture for this particular festival, so we might get lots of buyers that are feeling feeling lucky." So. That is what's going on. Uh, I think that's it for announcements. We're always about a week behind on, uh, well, from when I record this and then from when the episode goes out. Oh, one more thing. I had a nice call with the, with the, what's his name? His name's Kevin. He is the new ecosystem, I think, marketing manager at Zillica, the the company managing the Zillica blockchain. And we had a really nice talk the other day and we now have an extra layer of support from Zillica, which is super exciting. That always helps to have our our grandmother blockchain. I guess it's just our mother blockchain or maybe they're into the, the father thing instead, or maybe they don't have a gender, it's just the blockchain. Uh, I suppose Bitcoin is everyone's grandfather blockchain, right? Or grandmother blockchain, whichever you want to. Yeah. Right, whatever or, vagina or penis you want to assign to your yeah. cryptos. Yeah, I only wonder. It's only a matter of time before the, the gender conversation infiltrates crypto a little bit. But no, I say that in jest because I think crypto and Bitcoin, we've, we've stayed away from a lot of the mainstream media's bullshit, frankly, about creating controversy between people. And I know a lot of lefties and a lot of righties in the crypto space and we all kind of have the same ideals at the end of the day and i just don't think anyone really cares about gender like do what you want to do i think autonomy and independence is is the main takeaway here like i don't care what genitalia you have well you know if you're attracted to somebody regardless of if you know they have a, a penis or a vagina it uh i mean that's a good sign right there that you could spend some more time with that them. you're attracted well yeah. plus i'm the type of uh i don't know lover at least i was in those days where i love attention and you're sitting at these bars and these girls come up to you and just start massaging you and touching you and loving you you know mm-hmm. in hopes that you know you'll bring them home or maybe pay them even mm-hmm. but like that feels good to feel wanted Right. Right. And men are much more direct and like, you know, talented at just like showing you what they want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. I I mean, maybe not talented, but I guess it's more accepted or something. Or I think testosterone plays a role. But anyway, that's why I was like, I wonder what it would be like to, you know, but I never did. I've, I've noticed as far as my attractions go that it's becoming less and less about what somebody looks like. Um, and more just like if I touch them and I feel their vibe, if I'm attracted to them or not. So you and, just, and you it's just like, touch them. It's, yeah, you just touch them. And it's surprising. Like sometimes it's people that I, I, I don't wouldn't usually think I was attracted to. And even guys sometimes like, well, I'm not really attracted to guys, but I feel like a, a very attractive vibe from touching you. I feel attracted to men quite often, but never sexually. Right. Just like, oh, there's a magnetism here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of times it's not like full on boner, but it's like, okay, this is like, <laughs> this feels good. It feels like I could be around this person. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting conversation, perhaps for another podcast, but right. you know, you and I are both into dancing, right? And contact improvisational mm-hmm. type style of dance. And it is a conversation that we have quite often, which is about normalizing intimacy. I yeah. think is the motto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be okay what intimacy yeah yeah it should be right. a pretty pretty normal thing it doesn't need to be awkward or it doesn't need to feel like it's uh reserved all the time for just that special moment well i was writing about this just the other day uh because dance video stuff because uh, um trying to talk about this confliction i feel when dancing like in a public place at the at the lawn we've uh, we got this special place here where lots of people hang out on sunday the lawn big drum circle hundreds of people uh and people dancing and it's very primal and i've had moments where it's just been such a turned on situation dancing with somebody in this public uh arena and boners happen and it's like okay this is the most natural feeling that i could just give way to and be okay with this public boner on display for whoever to see while i'm wearing this loose pant (laughs) and without underwear without underwear boner in full shape and uh but what do you do about that it's like an odd confliction of the most natural thing versus this fear that somebody is going to get upset that there's a public boner around are the at least that's what pops into me well this brings it that's kind of segues us into one of the things we wanted to talk about today because i i like to think of i mean i know plenty of indigenous cultures probably have similar situations but remember game of thrones when uh when Daenerys marries Khal Drogo and they have the wedding party. It's like season two or something, season three. Uh, it's early on, maybe mm-hmm. even season one. Okay. Uh, they get married and then uh, there's there's just a party and, and the Dothraki are all dancing and some of them are fucking. Oh, in yeah. The dan- and it's the same thing, big drum circle and it's just mm. a, an air of celebration. Right. And e- there it would be okay to have a boner. Mm. And not only just okay to have a boner, but to <laughs> to grab a partner and, you know, see if they want to share that boner with you. Right. And then well, also, that should be what it's about. It's just people consenting to to boner interaction, uh, physical interaction. It's like if you're just looking at somebody and they have a boner, um, there's no need to get upset about that, I don't think. Well, it's weird. Well, sure, sure. I mean, there, you could also bring in the fact that there's children running around, so that's kind of weird, right? Right. But all of this... But also, that's how children were made. That's how sure. we're, we're well, all made. But all of this has to do with a certain type of programming we all have from culture itself. Like right. What is acceptable in our culture, our society, and not? And we come from a, what, a Judeo-Christian culture mm-hmm. where it's like sex is supposed to be uh in a certain place at a certain time for a certain purpose right mm-hmm. and otherwise it's a sin right and you know there's different there's different there's varying degrees of 
how we can all feel about that. It's kind of irrelevant. But the point is, is that that all comes from culture itself, why we respond different ways or why you feel a certain way about having a boner. And I mean, I would never even consider having a boner in a public place like that. I've never been able to do, I've always been super private and I've never been able to get remotely like turned on in public like that. Mm. And, but, but I wonder how much of that is programming and how much of that is just my personality. Right. And yeah, same for me in the, if I have a, a public boner, it's, is this fear that I'm feeling a projection on society that because nobody's coming up to me and saying, Hey, get that boner out of here. <laughs> it's like, well, it's all because you've been respectful about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not running around in the drum circle. Go look, everyone, I got a boner. Like then yeah. it's crossing a line. Right. Right. Well, that that would also be annoying. Cause like, Hey, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> you don't have to interrupt our conversation to tell us you got a boner. <laughs> There's also the question of if you're dancing with a beautiful woman and you get a boner and sure you're at you're at this park, you're you know, there's music everywhere and you just continue dancing and maybe she knows you have it, but otherwise mm-hmm. like no one's really watching. No one probably really cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's when you walk away and you're like, "Whoa, look at the tent." You know, <laughs> you know, in my pants. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I would just figure, you you know, you walk around for a little bit and it goes away. Like, right. <laughs> well, it's what occurs inside me is I've got to not enjoy this as much. Mm. So it's guilt. Right. The guilt, the shame. This. Uh, and yeah, like I said, is it is that really something that is coming at me from society or is this all coming from inside of me? Um, or is it inside of you because of society right the loop yeah and to take it back to the media um i can count on my one penis the time i've seen (laughs) (laughs) the time i've seen a boner in what is considered a non-pornographic movie or labia for that matter and boners and labia are how we all got here so wait you can count on one penis the amount of times you've seen a boner in a non-pornographic movie yeah you just said right okay I was in, I was listening to Louis C.K. on Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan Experience mm-hmm. on the way over here actually, but over the last few days. And Louis C.K. obviously just comes from a recent period where he got canceled, <laughs> and now he's killing it. He mm-hmm. started his own platform on his website. Well, he had it before, but all his stuff is just released exclusively on his website now. Mm-hmm. Got tons of content on it. He's doing great. He's touring yeah. and he's funny as fuck. Yeah. Like I, he, he was funny as fuck before, but like hearing him with Joe Rogan, he's like, he's a funny dude. But anyway, they're talking. He's incredible. About, remember Vincent Gallo mm-hmm. and Buffalo 66 mm-hmm. and that other movie? Like remember Amazing. that was. Buffalo 66 is incredible. And they're talking about how that killed his career. That blowjob scene. Oh, that's in Brown Bunny. Brown Bunny. I yeah. never saw that movie. Right. But it's like, it's like a really authentic blowjob scene, but it's not a porno. Right. Right. It's just like a real movie. Mm-hmm. And then Louis was bringing up some French film, uh, or maybe it was the other guy. But uh, there's a French film that goes through a similar topic. And it's like, mm. you know, how, at what point do we, are we not accepting sexual acts in a movie that's not porno? Right. Right. Especially when you're seeing the boner. Right. And what about the phallus is so offensive in those cases? And where does this come from? Right. Why would the labia be offensive? Why would the act of making love in public be offensive? 
It's yeah, just, well, I, I, let me think. Can I think of a few reasons? I don't know. Do I really want to watch people making love when I'm at a big fun party in the middle of everything? Kind of no. But, I mean, with my kids there and everything, like maybe it's a different experience. If it was all just like a singles festival, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Would I think differently? I don't know. Well, juxtapose that to watching people drink a bunch of beers out there or something, you know? <laughs> I was like, if I had, if I had my choice, I'd, I'd choose the love, the love making. It's like kind of like watching porno too. It's like, okay, so you, you feel okay with watching people on screen make love, but in person, in real life, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just a millennial problem, but. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also, we don't have that as an occurrence uh, because it's, not happening for whatever reason probably to do with this what sex parties subconscious fears not even sex part just someone feeling like they can be so free that society would at the very least interject uh energetically support something like this and so they could feel comfortable in expressing expressing that um but then bringing it back to hollywood right Obviously, the theme of sex is not a a no-fly zone. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's plenty of sexual themes. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of scenes where something like sex happens or is alluded to or it's about to happen and then we fade out Mm -hmm. to the music or whatever it is, whether (laughs) it's lust or love. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not a no-go zone. Yeah. So, it's like, what, what business do these movies have creating creating boundaries in our mind yeah just by what we're witnessing yeah absolutely they uh yeah i'm not sure how it got to be that way but uh there's a a really interesting documentary this film is not yet rated about the mpaa system it's mm, an older one right yeah it like was, i started that uh i think it's like 2010 it came out uh, but they they go in deep on Hollywood's embrace of of violence and shun of of sexuality, and it's odd that because it's just this MPA thing is is just a team of people, just random people deciding what's okay for teenagers or not yeah (laughs) and and labeling it labeling these movies in such a way where it's it's not gonna let certain people see it like if uh if there is strong sexual content like brown bunny i think got nc-17 or something like that where it wasn't in theaters so a lot of people couldn't see it Mm -hmm. and yeah if a film gets that rating then yeah, it's just not gonna make it into theater unless it's a porn theater. Are theaters even relevant anymore, though? Like everything yeah. just goes to a streaming platform, right? Where it's private. <clears throat> Remember, HBO always had the the juiciest scenes as far as sexy a, stuff goes. Yeah, because it's HBO; it's a private subscription, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know if that's what's helping them do that. I don't know. I haven't seen. It would be nice to just see 
yeah, see some boners, see some labia, make it natural, make it uh, normal. See insertion. Oof. People, people making love in a regular movie. Um, cause it's such a part of life and it's just being excluded. It's kind of the biggest part of life that's <laughs> create, driving everybody to life. do everything, <laughs> including create life. And it's, you rarely see it. And thinking about this public boner thing, you know, we've, we're at a place where we're lucky enough where nudity is not, uh, so, such a big deal. There's places where you can see a lot of naked people and be naked. And in that context, it's even more odd that public boners aren't around much around here, or at least I haven't seen them. And I wonder how it's affecting, uh, everybody, this subconscious fear, if that's a part of it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But there's a lot of juicy connection around here. So, so what about what about in, the, in music videos? Oh, as far as that, yeah, that goes. Is it just the same story, same kind of illusions? <sighs> I guess so. You know, it, uh, I definitely haven't seen strong sexuality in in music videos, and the platforms, uh, you know, for popular music video watching are not fully supporting it you can have nudity in music videos on on youtube if it's of a non-sexual nature you know if it seems like art <laughs> if the youtube censors deem it to be art um the nba ratings uh <laughs> right yeah, daughter company well it's yeah it's funny how this morality seems to be passed down from yeah institution our, to institution right and it's been adapted by other institutions like religions, like the organ, like the Christian religion I was raised up in, which is a pretty liberal-ish Christian religion. But still, they're teaching the kids, don't say these certain words. Here's the list of words that are bad: the F word, the C word, the the two B words, all you know, whatever they may be on that list. And that's that's just not in the Bible. It's just something they, they've adopted from government institution telling them, hey, this is the list of bad words. So they're not going to be on TV and not on the radio waves. Right, right. right. Yet that makes me think radio waves like you listen to certain like that Eddie Money song. Take me home tonight, which Take we were talking about like song. that song. I'm pretty sure which is a big song. It's a hit, right? Or it was a hit. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure it's about a prostitute. Or it's about him wanting to his teenage daughter to go home to be safe. I'm not sure. Either way, <laughs> it's got a very sexual element to it. And what a, what a difference between those two. Well, and it's very, not just this song, but plenty of songs from all eras have mm. big, I mean, listen to Marvin Gaye or listen to, it's, very, it's not even like subtle, like <laughs> sexual healing. Like mm. a lot of these, but it's like, it seems to be okay when you're singing about it. Mm. Like they'll put that on the radio. They'll oh put yeah, that on in the <laughs> that Yin Yang Twins whisper song where they're just like whispering the sexiest, the nastiest Lonely stuff. Island parody, right? <laughs> I didn't see my <laughs> yeah. that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, where does this shit come from? And it mm -hmm. goes, and it's huge. It's platinum. Mm -hmm. It's like that's okay, but and why is it? Because there's no visual element, mm. right? Because you're still using 
the theme of sex to sell your product right and but you're doing what they do for everything in our society which is like give it to you at twice the price for half the quality whatever mm. it is right take it from you cheapen it up make it shit and then give it back to you for twice the price right? porn all yeah. everything right food <laughs> right yeah it's so interesting that M- movies fucking marvel movies <laughs> Right. Well, I shouldn't say that because apparently everyone likes these new Marvel movies. I don't know whether that's Jordan. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are we talking about? The Doctor Strange, Strange Love. What was it? Doctor Strange Love. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange Love in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, it's just strange, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I only wanted to watch because Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. He's amazing. And then, oh, he's got an American accent. I'm like, what? This isn't Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch will always just be Sherlock. <laughs> Well, Sherlock now you get Holmes. to see him. Now you get to see Sherlock as Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange and Sherlock coming together. The I think that's interesting what you just brought up about about the selling of this this commodity because because it's been prohibited, it's made the the sell of it so so sellable like everybody everybody wants it because of its it's like the uh prohibition of alcohol and uh it just goes underground and everybody figures out a different way to to make money on it and uh, or cannabis or cannabis yeah similar situation but with sex it's um you know this is something that could be considered god as we talked about before and creation between two, you know, two people and normalizing intimacy, Mm -hmm. the most normal thing. And so it's like, yeah, you, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, selling God in a different way and fucking bastardizing it. in this like really strange way of like saying God is, God is bad unless it, but here's here's Unless how you it can follows get it. our rules. Right. Yeah. Here's how you can get it if you toss us some bucks, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Buy my album. Mm-hmm. And tell your friends about it too. <laughs> that was that Jean Lejoie pop song video we popped on last week. Highly recommend it. I'll put it in the in the show notes. All right. That was a that was a private viewing that we had last week. We, we didn't watch it on viewing. The, you know, yeah. I, I you know, I just little backstory, we I just moved. And I don't have a studio right now or an office, which is what I was recording these videos from these podcasts before, which is why they were always live streamed. Mm. But now we have so much to talk about that require like a visual element to show you what we're talking about. For example, all these music videos that professor here wants to comment upon. Mm. Uh, Why would we comment upon them without being able to show you what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Feels a bit silly. That's a little silly, but we'll get there when we get there. We could use this uh, this as a springboard to talk about that if you wanted. Let's do it. Okay. So, Professor Grayballs is working with Plenia to create a little bit of a series, if you will. A project if you will. that is all about commenting on music videos and... That's exactly right. Yeah. And well, and, and what they bring to society, what they're pulling from culture 
and kind of like a synthesis of it all. And he comments on them with this subscription uh, website he's making, which have blog posts. And then we're going to make some fun videos out of it. How that relates to Polenia, we're not quite sure yet. He'll probably make a PFT pool. But regardless, it follows the whole theme of deconstructing big media and starting to turn it inside out, which is what we're all about. And thus the collaboration. So what did you want to transition into? So I think it'd be cool to talk about these philosophies of favorite music video selection. And not just that, but why why music videos in general? And it's kind of an exploration in why we like what we like in the first place and trying to break that down, especially in the realm of art and here's here's the first one so these are philosophies these are philosophies okay and it's it's very personal as you'll discover in this first philosophy titled my butthole (laughs) all right because as the old saying goes opinions are like buttholes and everybody's got one and since opinions are simultaneously objective and subjective in subjecting yourself to these favorite music videos, you're objectively subjecting yourself to the objectively subjective opinions of my butthole. That is a mouthful. I know. No pun intended. There we go. So it's, and that's how it goes with all art. It's all just our opinions on what we think is, is good art, you know? Uh, and this is why I like I like music videos because it's my butthole's opinion that music videos are the most liberating of creations to consume since their very nature provides the options to enjoy as visual with the sound off or as background music with visuals as an option. So you may choose to gaze at the screen or you may want to dance or maybe sing along. It's a creation that creates this special occurrence of a digital audio visual creation inspiring event that could create uh, movement or singing some type of physical creation based on this creation. And it's appropriate that music videos can inspire that since itself is a creation inspired by a creation and its original creation being the song which I consider to be the screenplay of the music video. And since that is of most important, uh, the song is, is really what needs to satisfy my butthole most thoroughly as far as the equation of elements in this, in this particular art, uh, because the, the song is the universal language is what they say, the music. So it's more than likely other than other, maybe some other art forms that are just like talking in English, like you're watching a a soap opera talking in English. You're probably not going to get much out of there if you're a non-speaking person in another country. Uh, Compare that to music videos. It's possible 100% of the population could like it because uh, regardless whether they speak that language or not, because it's the universal language. Um, any comments thus far? Uh, I was just thinking as a filmmaker who sometimes has made his own music videos, 
I kind of want people to watch the whole thing and not like just tune out. Well, of course, I I would like that too, as the creator. Um, This is simply an option for the viewer. And just one of the benefits, I think, of of being a consumer of music videos. It doesn't require your full attention to get the the benefit out of it, but it can. You can give it the full attention. It's kind of like VJ stuff, like, you know, live video performance to a music set, mm-hmm. which I have a friend of mine, he is really into that he likes djing but more importantly he wants to use his big work machine to project 3d shapes and morph them like live as the music's going and then you sync it with the beat mm-hmm. and then you're kind of there making a live visual and it's the same kind of concept you're at a party you can choose to be looking at that screen and be like wow that's cool art mm-hmm. or just you know dance All right or trip out <laughs> yeah i guess both <laughs> right the creation inspiring you to consume it fully or create yourself uh create create your own creation it's pretty fun pretty fun options because uh okay here's here's philosophy number four the the creation so it's, we're just gonna scroll through these we're just gonna scroll what through you think these. is relevant or was that we already go through three so i just uh three is the song okay and philosophy t- number two is why music videos okay. in, in general gotcha. all right and uh, philosophy number four is the creation of these things which i see the song as a creative boundary and People talk about how too much creative freedom can be detrimental to the creative process. So having a song and that providing a boundary can be quite liberating and limiting the number of creative options because the song is going to be whispering to the creator, to the soul of the creator, what it needs to be. Where does the boundary come from? Where does the what? The boundary. The boundary is the song. Just let's say if you're just trying to do art in general, it's like, okay, where do you start? You oh, right, a yeah. billion gajillion <laughs> options. Yeah. Okay. But then somebody's like, here's a song, make something to this. And you're like, Oh, okay. I've got a direction to go with mm. this. This song is going to tell me is going to enter my personal being and is going to spark images in me mm-hmm. that are not the same for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it can give us a path for this creativity and provide a lot of freedom in that as well. Because this brings us to philosophy five lovers. I, I like to view the video and the song as, as lovers coming together to achieve feelings in the viewer that neither can achieve on their own and if a a music video is doing that that's beautiful in itself but if it can do philosophy number six which is uh i think i'm saying this right lent uh i might need to look up the how do you spell it L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E. It's a French Cajun word. <laughs> it means a little something extra. Lagnap. 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 
And yep. Yeah, I love that. It's a little something whatever. extra is so great. And I find it typically leads the discussions. If there is a discussion to be had from the video, like what is this little something special about this thing that we can that we can discuss? Um, because, like I said before, it's all our opinion about this art, which uh, brings me to the seventh philosophy, which I think is a a phenomenal that's a occurrence that's affecting much of society. And it's a word choice because I, I like using terms like favorite or fave for short or flavor it if I'm trying to be fun to describe art instead of words like best or greatest, because those words imply that there can be this uniformed mm. dominance art, that there can be such a thing as best art for everybody when everybody's got their own opinion, what best art is. So it can only be favorite art. Um, and you can see this just looking at sport competitions versus art competitions. There's no, there's no criteria for, for best art, but if it's a fishing competition or American Ninja obstacle course, it's obvious who the winner is. So who catches the biggest fish or who does Ninja stuff the fastest. But with art, you've got an organization like the Oscars that's, categorized all their awards as best best picture best director <laughs> and if they were going to do that legit it wouldn't be just the opinions of a couple thousand hollywood buttholes it would be the opinions of everybody in the world's butthole to really get what best art is so that would be everybody in the world watching every movie that came out that year and voting for their favorite and then Whatever movie that is, there you go. That's best art. Yeah, well, the Oscars and Emmys, those are all just, you know, circle jerk situations for studios to make more money off off of their investments. Right. right. Like, what the fuck are those? Who the fuck put them in charge? Like the Nobel Peace Prize. Like, <laughs> who the fuck? Uh, who the fuck are you guys? Like, it's, it's all uh, an odd show that... Well, yeah, especially with this art thing. Um, because it's so subjective to begin with. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's pretending like it's got some magic power to know what is this best art. Mm -hmm. When it best does, performance. Not, does not have that. And it doesn't take everything into account either. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it could be easily more accurate if it would like just change its title from best motion picture to our favorite motion picture. <laughs> you got to add another word in there too. Yeah. But then they won't, but then they're not the authority, Johnny. Right. That's right. These are the authorities we're trying to get. Our they would be from. revealing their, their cards, their hand. Yeah. They'd be lifting the veil. As right. Were. <laughs> uh, put an even better uh, title for this award. Our collective favorite motion picture for this specific moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in case it changes in the future. 
Uh, because, okay, that leads us to philosophy eight, which is fave, fave babies. Because I'm, I'm not picking a favorite of the favorites. These are just a list of favorite music videos. Don't ask me to pick a fave, fave baby. I can't Sophie's Choice this. I'm just going to... They're all my faves. Uh, because what I was saying before about the time and picking a fave. Because time just keeps on going and our perspective changes. So our favorite 10 years ago might not be our favorite today. We're just evolving individuals. And... If anything, I feel like this is a this music video art is a powerful way to keep track of time and to keep track of ideas around the discussion of these things uh, because our memory fades of this time and music videos are often getting re-uploaded in 4K, maybe one day 8K, maybe one day infinity Ks. It who knows what's going to happen, but that's going to get clearer and clearer. Meanwhile, uh, our our vision of what a time in the past is like is is just gonna just gonna go away. Like the take on me video, like aha. Uh -huh. What do you what do you mean? In what context? remember that video? Oh yeah, when I watch that video, I just get a super eighties vibe. Oh yeah, so imagine them remastering it. You know what I mean? To yeah. feel more modern. I, I think they did remaster it. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Why it, wouldn't they? It was right. perfect for remastering. <laughs> that's a great video. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's. Yeah, like that's an, I get an 80s like technology vibe, like a VHS vibe. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. They remaster it and suddenly that's gone. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll have to check out that video again. I think it. I remember it looking good, though. Um. Well, and, you know, hopefully these things will be around for as long as possible if we protect them, which is what we talked about last year, which is the 10th the philosophy is just protecting these music videos. Because as we talked about last week, YouTube is fucking up the ending of a lot of these videos. And but what does it mean to protect them? I mean like because it's a rabbit hole do we protect it as a story as a piece of art do we protect it as the original vhs copy because as soon as you digitize it we're changing it maybe yeah. it's not super extreme but and hardly discernible but that 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 take on me video could be a good example you yeah, put okay. that you put that on digital and you get like oh holy shit you know but you watch it on a vhs tape and it's like oh it's natural right <laughs> well yeah i think that's the i think it has to do with the intention involved in it um because i mean it happens with classic films all the time like criterion collection mm -hmm. is a good example taking a, an old movie and doing their best to restore it in a way like in like in 4k where a lot of these films just look phenomenal even though you know it's not how it originally looked yeah. or maybe the director didn't intend it to look amazing <laughs> amazing in 4k um but now it does and, and that's and respectable grateful you know yeah exactly yeah. those are teams even the studios in that case like they want to enhance the experience for the viewer mm -hmm. so i mean how much is it changing the art 
who knows? Are the directors even still alive right. to, <laughs> to have an opinion? Right. And to me, it's, it seems like the protection is just just saving it. Like if you can save these files and we can, you know, share them in ways and hopefully it's not anything detrimental to the artists, but a platform, you know, YouTube is a great example cause they're, they're messing up a lot of endings to videos right now. Um, you know, if we're trusting in these platforms, this, this type, type of stuff can happen. But if we got the media ourselves, then sure then it's then it's ours to to share with each other and drum and roll philosophy 11 drum roll philosophy 11 uh brings us into a touchy potentially hypocritical uh stance for myself mm-hmm. which just talking about youtube messing up the ending of these things i enjoy making music video mixtapes and that in, entails altering the endings and beginnings oh, oh, oh. of these videos. And also brings us back to the intention, which is my intention is to create a larger piece of art from mm. these smaller pieces of art to bring them together, to transition them from video to video, hopefully getting the videos next to each other that uh, feel connected in some way, either song genre, video genre, um, themes that they're exploring to yeah, create a, a greater story and to express what happens to my soul when I watch music videos and what it wants as far as the the viewership of it goes because i want it to feel like it could be a dance party just like djs do with songs where they're connecting these things so the the flow doesn't stop and it it just feels like not a bunch of separate things but one experience and so that's that's what I'm trying to create and trying to, uh, I guess, express acknowledgement on this hypocrisy of of myself that I, that I feel passionately about YouTube fucking it up in this one way, but also I want to fuck it up in my own way <laughs> in a hopefully uh, pleasing way to other people. They can get something out of this out of this thing. Right on. Yeah. The 11 philosophies of Professor Grayballs mm. coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for letting me share that. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be cool because soon these will be productions available to consume online, mm-hmm. however they may be. So for anyone that has either followed along this far or is interesting, interested later in learning the story a little bit. Amidst clips of sexuality talks and ladyboy talks and what have you. Got a lot in there today. A lot of various various topics coming together. Just completely unrelated, but a bit of a meta conversation is. And some of these podcasting platforms, I can kind of hear. I can, well, I don't hear. I can, I kind of know how long people are listening. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I can kind of tell based on different metrics, especially on one on one version of it. And so it, it'll be interesting on this episode to see if people make it through that sexuality part, or at least the Thailand part. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of know, like, oh, people like that kind of talk, or people don't like that kind of talk, or right. whatever it is. Because at the moment, there's not really any listenership. But there are a few people that tune in here and there. Right. Right. And I don't know about how other people listen to podcasts. I just start it. And then as soon as it bores me, I'm done. I don't like fast forward to the middle. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people do. Sometimes I might skip like five minutes or something. Right. Not just to skip through ads, but just to skip through a part. But if they're people I don't really know, then I, if they don't catch me, I'm gone. Right. You know, I'm the same way. It's yeah. tough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If that a penis cutting part bored me i'd probably get out of there <laughs> or the but i might be intrigued <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's yeah if anything it's just a gamble because maybe it was intriguing enough to be like who are these characters right i want to listen more <laughs> and not to mention you know i think we have some good conversation but i don't think in general people really have a lot of room for a lot more bandwidth for more podcasts um you probably, know what i mean well yeah i have my like four or five i listen to mm-hmm. and i'm st- i'm behind like JRE got a bunch of new episodes recently I'm stoked on and I'm behind and I'm still right. behind on these other comedians and mm-hmm. and Aubrey Marcus, <laughs> whoever they may be. Mm-hmm. But uh, to think about trying to find a new podcast by some randos, I just, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine it. I know. Way. It's, that's the conversation I have in my brain with creating any type of media. It's like <laughs> who even has the time or energy to. Well, but that's what's cool about what you're doing. This. You're creating kind of a new format, a new medium, if you will, or a yeah. hybrid medium, which I think is going to be a cool experiment. I think so too. Yeah. I think it'll, I think it'll find the right, I think it'll find the right people. Right. I definitely do. Yeah. And that's what the conversation in my brain usually turns into is uh, something positive. After I shut out all the the negative talk, yeah, well, that's natural, right? As creators, and that's kind of similar to how I feel about Enter the Pillarverse and these holdly NFTs. Is like, how many more YouTube channels do people want to subscribe to? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't even watch YouTube videos, but I know people do and watch influencer videos and this and that. But like finding new ones and then getting them to like invest an audience members getting them to invest their time into watching a new one is like, it's a big deal. But at the same time, I think we have something creative enough and clever enough to where it'll be, people will be down. People will be like, actually, this is really cool. You know, I'm, I'm willing to add this in and potentially let something else go eventually. Mm. But it's weird. You know, they call it late stage capitalism. Mm. uh, But I find it's like late stage attention economy. Where it's like, there's just no more room for attention. There's so much shit. It's like a balloon that's about to pop. And what happens then? What remains? What catches everything? I like what, that a lot. What yeah. is there? I like that terminology. And we call it the creator economy mm. in crypto. And Zillica is really into that. Like, mm. maybe that's it. Maybe not. <laughs> it's interesting for me to think about production versus consumption. And I mean, I feel like... I've definitely consumed way more than produced. Uh, but what? Yeah, so, so many people are producing. What if there turns out everybody's producing? Nobody's even consuming 
It's just this phenomenon that hits the world where enter Polenia. Nobody's even listening to this. Everybody's just making their own thing. Great, <laughs> great. Then we've reached the pinnacle of humanity. Yeah, we're all creating together. Right. That's it. That's what Polenia is all about. And Who it doesn't cares even... about making content that makes money? Make the fucking content together. Have a good time doing it, mm-hmm. and get paid to do it. Not even like mm-hmm. super paid. Right. Just be able to pay the bills doing what you like to do. Then we've reached God. Oh, man. As you would put it. That'd be, that'd be good. Turn some of these creations into to boners and get them in public. Well, I don't know about that, but I think... Uh, Just trying to loop it back around some way. Loop too. it back around. Well, I mean, it's definitely looping it back around in my intro about Polenia, but I, I do think this is a topic that is not discussed enough, and that is like creation Mm. it's who we are it's what we do i mean the holy thing is a metaphor for humans right and they're just these cute little cartoons that get enslaved by a big monster make content for us so we make more money and then they don't even know they're enslaved Mm. and then they meet these other colored holies from a different planet that live in the jungle and they're like oh wow they just create for themselves wow look what they're capable of doing look what they do but that's who we are Mm. That's who we're meant to be. And everyone has their own avenues for creation. But that's kind of what I think where this goes is the attention economy bubble bursts. And I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm an opti- I'm an optimist because big tech and big tube, they have their their stranglehold on people and people are programmed to be lazy people are programmed to not want to create to just consume there's nothing wrong with consumption don't get me wrong but when it consumes your life and you're not exerting any creative power anywhere then i think that's an issue and i don't think anyone wants to be like that but a lot of us don't know otherwise we don't know any other way but just Mm -hmm. to sit there and watch netflix every night or whatever But imagine you start channeling that energy and three hours of Netflix or two hours every night, channel that into just making something that's fun Mm. or whatever. And with time, figure out how it can be monetized or build a community around it and it'll naturally monetize itself. I think that's really the key. And I think really that's what, and that's what I've been experiencing as we've been building Polenia is we've been building a community around this idea, around this intention. And while none of us really know what it looks like when we get there, we all know like this is what we want to like participate in. And we'll, whatever happens along the way, we're in it, we're on the ride together. Like, let's do it. So it's like, I want to make this piece of content instead of watching two hours of media every night. Like, the rest will figure itself out. Just share it, put it out there somewhere. And then ideally, the tools can be made available to you to start harnessing, to build a community not just harness a community. Like the thing on YouTube is like, you have all your subscribers and shit, but you have to communicate with them on YouTube. You have to use comments. Like you have to make a video. Like you don't have the tools you need to directly just like either work with your audience to communicate with your audience, whatever it is, you have to interact with them based on how the platform is designed. Like what they want you to do with your audience. You don't own your audience. You don't own your community. So then you have to get creative to harness your community with Patreon, with whatever it is. Mm. So scratch all that. And in the future, perhaps this creator economy is just about building a community, which is also your audience. Mm. And you kind of maybe zigzag in and out of 
people that are creating and people that are just watching. And I can tell you right now, if we start making a really cool 3D show of Enter the Pelliverse with these little characters, as soon as it's going and there's money and we can hire people, I don't need to be part of it. I'm stoked to watch it though. <laughs> you know, I just want that content to exist. Yeah. And so I think we could we can do that. Everyone can do it. It's all we're all capable of of participating in whichever way is right for us in this particular moment. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thank you. It's been I think an hour. So uh announcements were already made. We appreciate your support. And uh, there's going to be a Telegram group now for the podcast, uh, Decentralizing Big Media. It's a channel. And then the, if you want to be part of the, if you want to ask questions or whatever, it'll lead you to the, the main plenty of Telegram group. But there is now a channel with updates. So I'll put that in the notes and have a great week, friendly people. Please, please do.